Good morning, I'm Susan Compulsive over Eat a Hundred Pounder. I'm going to walk my pictures to the back because when I was new, I always sat in the back. And all, of you, and all of you in the front have seen them many, many times. Not that you can't see them again, but they're just the same. So anyway, thank you, John, so much for asking me to come and speak. Um, when I'm asked to speak, I always try and say no unless it's physically impossible. The first date he gave me to speak, I was going to be in Croatia, so I figured it was going to be a little bit difficult. So he was very gracious and gave, gave me another chance. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about myself because I think we all come to meetings to identify and even if you can't identify with my voice or where I'm from my head is as crazy as yours when it comes to food not as bad as it used to be but we still have chats um, so going to be 54 in two weeks um, I came into these rooms when I was 22 when I first moved here from London I moved here in 1982 and I think I came either the end of 82 or 83 um, I struggled with my weight my whole life I didn't put in really young pictures I think the first picture in there in Regent's Park on a seesaw it's just a horrifying photo um, and um, I think I was I was driving so I was about 18 or 19 um, I'm the oldest of seven children from two marriages. Um, we have addiction in our family. My sister is in program in England. I have a couple of other siblings who need different rooms, but I'm not allowed to mention it. I have to mind my own business, so I do. I'm telling you. Um, and I can remember sneaking food at age of four years old. I don't really know why I just did. It was there. I couldn't have it, so I wanted it. Um, my mom suffered with anorexia and obesity, and she taught me how to be her diet partner. Um, I started taking diet pills at a very, very young age, and there was always a reward for losing weight. If I only ate an apple for the day, we'd go shopping. So I carried that forward in my obsession. Whenever I would lose weight, I would get new credit cards and go out and charge them all up and realize, oh, you have to pay them off at the end. And then I gain all the weight and have to go back again and buy the big size clothing because I never kept my clothes in case. Because this was it. This was the right Monday, the right Monday that ended with the right why, and this was the day that I was going to lose my weight. The ironic thing is that I got abstinent on a Sunday night, and I, lo I love that story. Um, because if I hadn't have done as that lady who sponsored me said, you won't call me on Monday morning if you don't commit your dinner to me tonight. And she was very right. I wouldn't have done. Um, so I moved here in 1982 um, to get away from just tumult in my family and because it was going to be different and because I was going to be thin here. Because I used to watch Dynasty and Dallas and Falk and Crest. And some of you are too young to know those shows. And everybody had big curly hair like mine really is. And they wore big shoulder pads and they all looked fantastic. So I thought for sure that this would work. I came here on TWA that doesn't exist anymore and the, the airport was being was under construction for the Olympics and I remember that we had to get off on the runway somewhere and I was doing the Beverly Hills diet and it was pineapple day and I was full of canker sores and I was in so much pain don't look it up you don't need to do it makes no sense anyway um, so we got off the plane and I can remember this heat coming up off the tarmac. Of course, it was hot from the plane and the black tar and it was June, it was very hot here and I thought, this is why they're all thin, it's, it's too hot to eat. <laughs> and so I came and I stayed with family friends. My dad's best friend had moved out here when he was 18, so I had a place to go and everything. 
And that night, and I find this so amusing because I am a food addict, um, they took me to Fridays and they gave me this menu and I'd never seen anything. If you've been to England, you've got one page. This was a book and I didn't know what to do or what to get. I didn't know, am I allowed to say food names here? Yeah. I didn't know what potato skins were. I thought it was ridiculous to just eat the skin of a potato. So I overlooked that and I ended up just getting the salad because I understood lettuce, cucumber, tomato. And I just didn't know anything else. I very quickly graduated and learned every single menu in town. Um, just to give you my numbers too. So I finally surrendered in August of 1999. I've lost over 100 pounds. I think around 105. I meant to weigh myself yesterday to tell you exactly. But it's, well, it's definitely over 100. And I just took my 16-year candle in the middle of August. So, and that's, that's, that's all thanks to working the 12 steps as outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, turning my will and my life over to a power much bigger than myself, and listening to what my sponsors have told me, which hasn't always been fun, but I've done it one day at a time. Um, so anyway, I came here, and this is, this is a great place if you want to diet, if you want to do anything. There's something on every single street corner. And for the first time in my life, I wasn't under the eye of my family watching what I ate, which was always an issue. We would sit down at every meal time, and it was always eyes down on where, which bowl my spoon or fork would go to. Um, so my weight hit new heights here. I discovered that you could eat in your car. You go to the grocery store 24 hours a day. And you can drive with your knees and basically bake a cake. So it worked very, very well for me. I like to consider myself a professional in that area. Um, so then I, my cousin was working at Richard Simmons' gym. There was more of them than just the one right now. And she met this girl who... Everybody who worked there was overweight, so it was very comfortable to go and work out there. Had on all my hot pink and all my stuff and all my, whatever my leotards looked like back then, I did it. With our headbands on and our leg warmers. But you know what? I have to say it was really comfortable to work out there. It really, really was, and yay for him for doing that, that everyone can move their bodies. Um, and she asked us to come to a an Overeats Anonymous meeting, and I had no idea what that was. I had never, ever heard of it, and she said it was based on Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't know what that was either, and then when I heard what it was, I was horrified that I was being compared to that because I was very ignorant. I wouldn't have known what an alcoholic looked like if I walked down the street where I would expect you to be lying in the gutter, and that's just my truth of what it was then. I was very sheltered. I grew up a certain way. I just didn't know from these things. Um, so we went to this meeting, and it was a 100-pounder meeting at the old OA office in the Valley in Derby. And back then, the meeting, I think, was close to two hours long, and there was probably close to 200 people in the room. And if you ever went to that old office, you know how crowded that was. And everyone seemed happy, and everyone was having a good time, and I just didn't know what was going on. Sat way in the back, and I had to hike my big bum up onto this table, and it was really uncomfortable. And... I have no idea about anything. I couldn't have told you what the person looked like who was speaking. I couldn't have told you about the 12 steps. I didn't hear anything. I was so uncomfortable. I wanted to get out of there. Everybody in there was the age I am now. I thought they were so old. I had nothing in common with them. This is horrifying. And then I just picked on the few people who were overweight and thought, well, I can do that on my own. I don't need to be friends with them. I clearly just haven't found the right diet. 
So I waited again, as I always did, for a Sunday night, because that was the day I did my research, and again on a Monday I would start. So living in Los Angeles, you can't help but meet people who are in 12-step programs. And I would start going to these jobs, and these people say they were going to meetings, and I, just to fast forward, my life went really well here. It was a time when you could get green cards easily, everything, not easily, I went through the process, but it isn't like it is now. And now I'm a dual citizen. Um, so I did all of that. My life here was really, really good. And I think that one of the things that kept me out here was we're powerless over food and our lives are unmanageable. I didn't think my life was unmanageable. I had a good job. I knew how to get my pretty on. I had loads of friends. What's, what's unmanageable? I just haven't found the right food plan. And if something was annoying, it was about you and not me. And if you would just change your behaviors, everything else would be okay. So um, I worked with this girl, Annie from Texas, we're still friends, and she was a paralegal at the law firm, and a group of us used to eat lunch together all the time, because I always packed my lunch, it was always salad and diet ranch dressing, and it looked so pretty, and I've never had a problem making good food choices, it's always been about volume. Um, so I would always come with my lovely lunches and what I would slip in my mouth when you weren't looking, of course. But, you know, that's beside the point. So we sat there one day, and it must have been on a Monday, and it was just the two of us. And for a change, I must have been talking about when I lose weight, I'm going to do this, and if this, and when this. And she told me that they had meetings for people like me. And I just wanted to take her down with her pretty blonde Texas hair and her St. John outfit. And I can remember sitting there and I said, well, I don't quite know what you mean. And she said, I'm an alcoholic. I go to 12-step meetings and I know that they have something called Overeaters Anonymous. And I think we should go to a meeting. So by this time, I had already been to that one meeting. So I knew all about it, right? I knew everything. <laughs> so I said, oh, I went. It doesn't work. She said, really? She said, how was that for you? I said, well, I just went there. And she said, well, did you get a sponsor? I didn't even know what a sponsor was. I was such a schmo. Um, and I said, well, no, you know, I went there and, you know, there were fat people in there and I know how to do that. And, you know, it was just kind of clicky and I just don't want to go back. And she said, you don't know what you're talking about and we're going to look it up and I'm going to find you a meeting and I'm going to go with you. And we went on a Thursday night, and I don't know even where it was. It was in Santa Monica, and it was at somebody's house, which I know we really don't do a lot. And it was some kind of book study. can't tell you what book, but it was a book. Um, and we went, and it was a little bit more pleasant. And this woman came over to me, and she said to me, I'd like to help you. I can be your sponsor. I think I didn't ask you. I didn't even talk to you. I have no interest. And I said, oh, well, what does that mean I have to do? And she wanted me to write this food history. And I said, oh, and then what do I do when I've done it? And she said, well, you're going to call me and read it to me. I said, okay, well, I have to think about it. And she said, well, what do you have to think about? I said, well, I don't really want to tell you my business. I don't, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know you. Clearly, as you can see, I didn't grow up going to therapy or anything. We just don't talk about anything. Then life changed, and I did go to therapy, and I hated it. And I would leave there and binge, and it got worse. Just like it says in the big book, it gets worse, never better. The spiritual malady grew and grew as my body grew and grew. I have gained and lost 100 pounds over five times. I am queen of the dieters. I'm front of the room at Nutrisystem. I'm, I mean, actually, I did a photo shoot for Nutrisystem. I'm front of the room at Weight Watchers. They offer me jobs. I know how to do it. So where is that unmanageable? It really isn't. can't stick with it. The minute I get to go away, I go and reward myself. 
or I go on a date and it doesn't work, I use inappropriate behaviors, I get upset, and the only thing that works, the only thing that takes me down is food. So I continued on this journey on and off in between. If you've heard my story, you know. I've had my mouth wired shut, I've done the Optifast diet, I considered weight loss surgery. I have done every single crazy thing. Um, so I came in and out of the rooms because obviously something had happened on that first day, even though I don't clearly remember a seed had been planted. And that's what people say when you come to your first meeting. And by now I had flipped through the book, I'd flipped through the steps and didn't really still understand it and just couldn't get over that word unmanageable because I just didn't think it was. I was getting bigger and better jobs, I had loads of friends, I keep a nice house, I know how to throw a great party. What is unmanageable? Again, just not the right diet. Um, I would talk to God every Sunday night. This was the day, we're going to do this. Never had an issue with that word or with a higher power when I did eventually surrender. So if you do, I've seen people really, really change in that aspect. And I know, again, that through doing the work. So I'm getting fatter and fatter. I go home. There's a picture in there. So on my 30th birthday at my brother's mitzvah. And I couldn't find a dress to wear. I weighed 250 pounds. And the only place to go was the Forgotten Woman in Beverly Hills, and it was mortifying. First of all, the name was mortifying. Designers weren't making big size clothing. It was the Forgotten Woman or Lane Bryant. And, oh, it was horrible. And I went there, and the dress cost a fortune. I had to call my dad crying. Why can't you afford to buy it? I didn't want to tell him what my credit card bills looked like. I was just, you know, up out of control. It was unmanageable. So we go, I get this size 26 dress that weighs about 10 pounds. I have to find these shoes and I get these really high shoes I can't walk in because I think I look thinner with higher heels on. And I used to get fake tan a lot. I used to go to tanning beds because that makes you look thinner too. Today, as you can see, I look like Snow White and hopefully I look like I'm in a normal sized body. Um, so I go there and it was just horrible and I was miserable and the dress was so heavy and it, it was just a disastrous affair. Anyway, I still wasn't done. I still hadn't run out of old ideas. I wasn't w willing to let go of my old ideas and I wasn't ready to be that blank page at the beginning of the book and say, help me, I know nothing, whatever you say, I will do which if you know my personality is amazing that I finally did do that and do that today. Um, as my friend Jennifer told me on the way here when we were walking, she goes, you're very bossy. I go, I know, but come on, let's go. Um, <laughs> poor Jennifer. Um, at least I know who I am. I'm the oldest of seven children. I take charge and I have jobs that you have to take charge. Um, so I, you know, and even just to tell you, I couldn't even, I had my mouth wired at the center's house in Tarzana, all the way up Wells Drive, and I paid him cash. And the whole time he's doing it, and I'm knowing it's the most, it's the daftest thing in life to do, all I'm thinking about is how am I going to eat? What am I going to do? And I found a little hole in the back. I'm a good junkie. And I slid chocolates down the back, and I would buy, I mean, I chose to do this. I made that decision. To turn my will and my life over to the dentist to wire my mouth shut. I lost no weight in three months that I had that done. Okay, so that experiment didn't work. So eventually I'm going up and down, I'm going up and down. 
and um, I realized that clock stopped. And I'm like, mm, okay. So let's fast forward because I've got, don't have that much time left, I realized. I was thinking, yeah, really. It's okay. Um, we'll get you later. Um, so finally, my cousin who took me to that very, very first meeting, she moved away to Florida and she became abstinent. She came home, she's 5'10", and she was also a big girl like I was, and she was in a normal-sized body, and she looked amazing. So what does a good food addict do? What did you do? Tell me what you ate. So she said to me, I did, I'm in OA. Oh, yeah, that thing we went to. Yeah, I, I've been to those meetings. So what's, what's the food plan? She said, I'm not giving it to you. She said, <laughs> she said, you need to get a sponsor. Well, she actually left it on her fridge at her dad's house, and I saw it, and I quickly wrote down what she'd written and everything. And I started to do some of it, and my body just releases weight quickly, and I started to do well. And then I went home for my sister's wedding, and it was a disaster because life was unmanageable. And I needed to turn my will and my power over to a power greater than myself. And I ate most of my sister's wedding cake and baskets and baskets of bread. And that was the last time that I had sugar and flour. And I came back from that trip. We got to Heathrow Airport and I had my girlfriend's daughter with me who was, I think, 13 or 14 at the time. And she was having a great time hanging out with my four cute brothers. And the plane was delayed. And she said, let's stay, let's stay. We can go home tomorrow. And I, was, I had reached my point. I was standing at my turning point, and I knew I had to get back because I wanted to call Lisa to get the name of her sponsor. So everyone's looking at me, and I'm going crazy. We're getting on that plane. We're getting on that plane, and I want those seats, and I paid for my plane. And sorry, I took so long. Okay, so I came back. I found a sponsor. She was in Miami because I didn't want to really become friends with all of you and stay. And I took clear-cut direction from her on that Sunday when I called her she said to me the time I have is either 4.30 in the morning or 4.45 a.m. I don't really want to sponsor you long distance you're going to have to come here and give away your fifth step to me and of course I must overachieve I can do that no problem and I am an early morning person it isn't a problem and I called her for four years and she was a hundred pounder which at the time I felt I really needed and she told me precisely how she had recovered, which is what they tell us in the big book. We will tell you precisely how we have recovered. And she told me the words that are in the doctor's opinion about the manifestation of my allergy and that phenomenon of craving I have for me from eating flour and sugar. And she said, if I work with you, this is how you're going to eat and this is what your absence is going to be. It may sound harsh to you. I was I was really at the bottom and I was scared that 300 pounds was my next hurrah and that I wouldn't come back. So I did exactly what she told me. I would commit my food to every morning on that Sunday night when she asked me what I was going to eat. Of course, I had big plans. I went to the fridge. I planned out what I was going to eat. I got out my food scale. Clearly, I had many. And I haven't looked back since that date. I worked the steps with her. I went there twice to give away my fifth step. I flew her out here one time because I had enough miles. And then eventually I got a sponsor out here. Maxine was my sponsor for 10 years. And, you know, in that 10 years, you know, when you have been so deep in your obsession and this is all that you think about, you have to learn how to live life on life's terms and live life in between meals. And today I get to do that with grace and integrity. I might be bossy, but I do get to do that. <laughs> um, 
And I've, I have. I've worked really, really hard. I've taken clear-cut direction. I haven't always liked it. I believe strongly in having a sponsor who works a really, really strong program. Um, recently, I've taken on a new sponsor because Maxine's life has changed a lot as she's gotten older. And the sponsor I have now, her food and her disease in OA look nothing like mine. However, she's got 30 years of sobriety from you know, alcohol and drug addiction and from bulimia. So she gets it, and we work hard, and I don't always like all the stuff that she has to say to me, but I do it no matter what. I sponsor a lot of women in these programs. I do exactly what I did on the first day I came here. I get to meetings early. I'll be of service. I have a service position at every single meeting that I go to. I served on the board one year in the San Fernando Valley. I did the birthday party board, actually, one year as well, um, a long time ago. Um, and I give back what has so graciously been given to me. I am so, so grateful today for these rooms. and can't believe what a schmo I was and how badly I fought to do it my way because my way didn't work then. It will never, ever work now. I have my dearest friends in these rooms um, who've become like family to me, and I can't believe I fought so hard not to have that. There's nowhere else that you can go and just pour out what's really the truth to anyone other than people who are in these rooms and that is such a gift without these 12 steps I wouldn't be the person I am today my life would be unmanageable and it was unmanageable but my ego couldn't handle that and it tells us in here and if you've ever read the Tebow papers he said you'll surely drink again if you don't reduce your ego I've worked a year-long workshop in a room full of 200 addicts and sat there on my hands because ask too many questions and they're not listening but I've sat there and I've done it and each day my life has gotten better you know I've stayed in the center of the herd about a year ago I watched on Netflix Friday Night Lights people always used to talk about it, and I was never an athlete I was a fat child let's face it I wasn't an athlete I'll bring you your water but I really got what it was like you know to be in the center of the herd it's about football players and hot coach Taylor but they, you know what, that's what it's like here. It is like a huge team sport and everybody comes together and puts their arms around you. And, you know, you hear in the rooms, we'll love you until you can love yourself. And it's so, so true. So I'm going to close because that says 9.15. Thank you again, John, so much. I mean, people like John and, you know, Catherine and Susan and all these people who I've just known forever just mean so, so, so much to me, as do some of you who I don't know. Jennifer, thank you so much for driving over here with me today. And if you are new, welcome. You didn't break the clock. It's okay, so please come back and come and talk to us afterwards. And thank you all again. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you do not need to identify yourself, if being recorded, which you are. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. This is still on, right? Okay. All right. Don't give me anything too hard. Go ahead, Janet. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, how did you solve the accepting of God and letting go and accepting as a higher power to be empowered, not you? Okay. How did I solve um, letting go and letting God, basically, that I wasn't the higher power? Well, that's okay. No, no, no. That's, 
a good question. As I said, I did believe in God and I spoke to God every Sunday night. Um, as soon as I put down the food and the noise quietened in my head, for me, it was very easy to be turned towards that. It, it really, really was because I had no fight left in. I was very ready to let go of those old ideas. I was at the bottom. I was very broken. If we got DUIs for food, I would have reached my limit. Um, so I, again, clear-cut direction, a lot of writing, being told to ask God for help, often having to go into the bathroom at work and getting down on my knees and asking God for help to have grace and integrity in my words. My biggest thing I had to learn was say what you mean, mean what you say, and don't be mean when you say it. And those were all things that through my higher power I've been able to do. So if there's something more specific, ask me afterwards, but I hope that helped. Um, can you tell me about the promises and how they've been Yes, I can. So when I first heard the ninth step promises, so funny that you asked me that, where it says no matter how far down the scale you have gone. Are you seeing this so interesting? This is written for alcoholics. How do they know that I'm going down the scale? Um, you know, I did. And I just love telling my truth that I was just so new here that I had no idea what anything meant. Um, you know, again, it's just letting go, letting God and that free fall and letting go of those old ideas. They really, really turned me around. Um, we will be amazed before we were halfway through. And for me, it became not about the weight. Of course, I like being in a normal size body today. Do I like being able to go into a store and put on clothes, going onto a beach and not feeling as obsessed as I used to about myself? Absolutely. It was about those promises helped me live a big, big life in between and get out of self. And really listen to what you were saying. Wait for that question mark at the end of the sentence. I don't always do that the best. I had to confess that yesterday. Um, but they just keep on happening. They, you can't stop it from happening. That's the bottom line. Once you jump in, Bonnie, my first sponsor, always used to say to me, you're never going to learn to swim unless you dive right in. So again, it's running in the center of the herd, taking people's hands and saying yes to everything. And you can't help. You don't have to wait for the ninth or the tenth step for those promises to come through. There are promises throughout. You know, even when Ebby sits down at Bob's table and he writes in italics, he was sober. That for me, it was like the biggest promise. You will get this. He was sober. He was sitting there with clear eyes. And I think he maybe had a week of sobriety at the time. But that's, you know, so I've just seen them happen from day one. And now I understand what they mean more, too. Thank you so much, Susan. Um, when you talk about working a program really hard, could you walk through the specifics sure. um, of what you do on a daily basis? It sounds like you still go through the big book. How do you, mm -hmm. how do you actually do that sure. with all these years? And yeah. So, um, what I do is I read for me in the mornings. I, I get up early. I take my phone calls mainly early in the morning. So, I'm up around 5, 5.15. If I snooze to 5.15, it's 3 to 5 minute meditation instead of 8 to 10. I try not to. I read Voices of Recovery in 4 today. I do have 24-hour day book as well, which I used to read a lot in the beginning. So, I read those. I do those first. The kettle's boiling. Those are going. I make my tea, I read them, and then I meditate on what I have read. Um, the night before, I've done my 10th step, and I've written a gratitude list. Um, I am constantly in the big book because all of my sponsees are at different places. 
I, I commit my food to God and to myself. I write that down every morning. Any changes I will normally tell somebody else and I always look at why I'm making that change. Uh, why doesn't the pear work? Why do I need to crunch so hard on an apple? Because for me, those, those are things going on inside of me. So I just continually, I believe, stay in the center of the pack. I try to say yes to everything. I stay in touch with my sponsor. I speak to her at least three days a week, um, working with others and you know, doing what else I can just to stay really, really connected, to continually have that conscious contact with God. And for example, on a day where I really want to change my food, Am I in conscious contact or conscious separation with my higher power? And often it can be I've separated myself for some reason because my head is talking very, very loudly. So I have to turn that down and make a phone call. I make a lot of phone calls. I have a lot of very, very close girlfriends in these rooms who I can just say anything to and they bring me right back to the steps. Sometimes even give me writing assignments when I didn't ask them to and they're not even my sponsor and I do them. <laughs> so thank you. Yes. Yes, I can. Um, well, let me see here. Um, how has my relationship with my family changed? Um, they have not changed. My sister's definitely done some work. Um, I have learned not to have as big an expectation. I have had to shift my thinking. I sit very quietly now. I don't ask as many questions. I don't make as many suggestions. If anybody ever needs to lose weight, my dad will refer them to me. Brilliant. They'll just say, it's brilliant what she's done. Look, she used to be so fat. Give her the picture. Show her. We used to argue about this all the time. And he'd say, he's in there in my book. He'd say, we used to argue about this all the time. So it's... Are they doing everything I think they should be doing? No. However, my program teaches me just to keep on doing what I am doing and the promises for them too will come true. When my sister, I didn't 12-step her in here very gracefully, I can tell you that. She had to make amends. It was really, really bad. I said something really mean to her in a Lane Bryant changing room. I had to confess to my sponsor. However, of her own thoughts and you know how she had seen some changes in me, even though I made a horrible comment she went to a meeting on her own so she did that and it's just it just does get better as I shut up as I get out of my own way it gets better and plus I don't live very close to them only my dad lives here so I don't have many opportunities to mess it up so that's it Michael thank you so much um, so when was the last time you were in fear and how did the program when was the last time I was in fear and how did the program help me get through it? Um, I'm not a very fearful person. I'm not going to jump out of a plane or do any of those things. But, you know, my dad raised me. We've always, I've always been pushed into the front of the room first. And even though I may have hit a bit more in the back, I've never been scared to raise my hand. Um, I think more fear comes from me of myself, of, you know, will I go in there with dignity? Will I sit there and be quiet? Um, sometimes it can happen to me more as I'm dating that I don't take over and that I'm not too this and I'm not too that and I just sit there and I'm quiet and I'm sweet. So I, I just have to say the serenity prayer or the set-aside prayer I use a lot if I'm just, not necessarily maybe I don't see it as fear in a way that you would, but if I'm just in an uncomfortable situation I have to use that set-aside prayer because I have to set aside everything I think I know about myself, which is a lot. And, you know, tell God, you know, just take me for this new experience and show me the way. 
Um, there was there was one thing I will just tell you quickly because I know I have to wrap up. I worked um, a job for seven years and it was a great job and a law firm, everything else. My boss was very, very abusive. And Maxine helped me work through answering him back with dignity and grace. And Sarah was scared with beyond. I wasn't scared that he was going to fire me because I had enough confidence to know I could get another job. But we rehearsed for months and months. And then his explosion came. And I, you know, very gracefully said that the way he was speaking to me wasn't working. And I was going to walk out of the room and send him in somebody who could help him. And he was silent and I was, my hair was getting bigger and growing as I was talking. And I walked out of the room and I was shaking, shaking, shaking. But I was so happy. I wanted to like kick my legs up in the air and I did it. And the next day he thanked me. And about three months later I got a new job. So if that, I guess that was a fear in a way. So I hope that answers your question. And blue t-shirt and then you. How do I know if something's God's will or my will is really what you're saying? Okay. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, this is a very, very basic, simple example, and it's not a huge one. Um, because I know that it was really, truly God's will bringing me here to America, everything, because I would never have found these rooms in England. I just know, I, I don't know. I feel this was all God working in my life, the way everything worked for the minute I landed, everything coming to 12-step meetings. About six weeks ago, a fellow told me that somebody he knew was coming to work at my law firm. And immediately, I mean, not, I don't work at a law firm anymore. Sorry, not at the law firm. She was coming from a law firm to work with me where I work. I said, well, who is she? That's this. Does she understand about anonymity? Nobody knows about my program at work. Just a few people who are in AA. He's like, yes, she knows. And I stood there and I'm like, God, I'm such a you-know-what. What am I behaving this way for? This person has worked with me now maybe for six weeks. Call my work wife. <laughs> She's here this morning and we just have the best time each and every day. And again, it was God's will putting each other, you know, in each other's lives. We're together a lot of the time. People are like, oh, you two became fast friends. And I just go, yeah, yeah, I know someone she knows. She knows someone I know. And that's all the 12 steps and God's will bring us into each other's lives. And this is a gorgeous person who I would never have known. And throughout the day, we just give each other program. But my will immediately wants to go to this isn't going to work. I don't want to be friends with her. I don't need my program at work. Mind your own business. So again, I don't know much of anything. Go ahead. Well, we'll keep the whatever out of it. Um, do I do I still act out in other ways? Um, I, don't, I don't do the shopping thing, my bills are paid, I have money in the bank, I don't act out in that way anymore, I keep my clothes now, I was doing my ironing last night, they all make fun of me that I do my ironing and I found a t-shirt with a hole in it, I threw it away, it's very big of me. Um, do I act out? Yes, I guess in certain ways I do and I fess up to friends and it's sometimes in situations where I'm uncomfortable but as long as I talk about them very, very quickly, I can rectify them so that they don't go towards the food. And a lot of the time they're taking back 
my will in certain things that I can be uncomfortable with and perhaps that's where the fear comes in so I quickly do something that's just not always the best so will I speak to my relationship pre-program and in program now with God Yes, God's in my life each and every day and I don't just talk to him on a Sunday night and I know that everything is in God's time, not in my time. Somebody once told me when I first came in that God's delay is not his denial and it still hasn't always worked to my time schedule but I just feel a different connection. I feel a different peace. I'm not demanding with my higher power. I don't say I want this, this and this. I do turn my will and my life over on a daily basis and at night when I speak to God before I go to bed or after I've done my writing I feel like I can put my head on the pillow at night and feel safe, feel protected, know I haven't eaten for another day and I've had grace and integrity through most of the day if I haven't been too bossy. <laughs> yeah. From the beginning, what did you do when you had those What did I do with those urges when I first came in to eat? I'll be very honest with you, when I surrendered on that Sunday night, and for me, flour and sugar is my heroin, I didn't have the craving afterwards. And I, when you are fat, all you want all your life is to be thin. You just want to fit in and be thin. And this time it was different even though I still wanted to be thin and I was losing weight and on that pink cloud because I wasn't eating flour and sugar I wasn't having that phenomenon of craving I didn't have that manifestation of an allergy it wasn't there I was giving away my food my food became somebody else's business and not mine my business was just to show up and do what was right in front of me so I, I actually didn't have that craving I can't explain why, is it God or is it odd, I don't know, but for me that didn't happen. Perhaps there are other people in here that could speak more to that, but once I eliminated flour and sugar, I didn't feel the need to go back down the alley. So. We done? Done? Going once? Going twice? Okay. Oh, go ahead. Just, do you still weigh and measure your food? I'm not looking for a diet, but I just want to Yes. Do, ladies ask me, do I still weigh and measure my food? Yes, when I'm at home. I've never taken the scale out into a restaurant because I think a whole Thanksgiving turkey is the appropriate portion for me. So, <laughs> I, I do. And I can, I can guess, I'll play a game of guessing, is it this piece of it and I can get it to the limit. The only thing I don't weigh and measure anymore is my salad and vegetables. I used to weigh and measure those. I do my protein, my carbs, and my loose fruits. Berries, grapes, those kinds of things. But otherwise, a piece of fruit is a piece of fruit. So. Ellie? How did you handle any travels or trips in terms of different foods? How do I handle trips and different foods? Because she knows I just went to Croatia. Um, I've traveled always in this program. Um, and obviously when I go to London, I'm in my family's homes. That isn't hard. And I've been to other countries as well. And it's... You find what you find when you want to find it. I was just, you know, in the Mediterranean, Mediterranean the Adriatic, but where they're, you know, fishing, and it's from sea to plate. It wasn't an issue. The other stuff is just not my food. And even if certain places it looked like I can't find it, when in doubt, leave it out. But I've never gone hungry on a trip.
Okay. All right. Thank you all.